Welcome to Mosaic Church, and thank you for joining us here online. To prepare for today's message, we encourage you to utilize the Mosaic Cincinnati app. There, you can view the message notes, put in prayer requests, and so much more. Enjoy the message. Uh, we are in part number five of our summer mixtape series. <clears throat> you know, I thought about it last week. I never really talked about, you know, the fact that some of you might not know what a mixtape is. <laughs> Just a few of you. You're like, tape? What is a tape? And maybe you're like, Mom, Dad, what is that thing up on the screen? Well, back in the day, we had these things called tapes. They came in various forms and sizes. We had VHS tapes, we had cassette tapes, we had eight tracks. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was a, it was a cool time in history. And you'd, you'd, you'd put this tape, this cartridge, into the dash of your car or into your boom box. That's another one uh, for, you, for you guys to, to look up on, on Wikipedia, boom box, um, and, and check out what it is. But man, great times. And so the really cool kids, um, uh, like me, no, I wasn't one, but uh, we, would, we would take tapes, blank tapes, and then when, when a song would come on on the radio, we'd hit record. And we'd record onto that tape, and then we'd do it just right to where we would have a mixtape. And if you had that special someone in your life that you just wanted to bless and show how much you were thinking about them and, and caring about them, and, and you want them to know that when, hey, you heard this song, you were thinking of them, what'd you do? You gave them a mixtape. All my friends from the 80s say amen, right? Come on now. And so, man, a mixtape has all kinds of different stuff on it, and that's kind of the direction this summer, is that as, as we do a summer mixtape, spiritually, that we're looking at all kinds of different stories of people in the Old Testament, and, and what happened in their lives, and lessons that we can learn from them. And so today, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. Before we get into today's message, I want to encourage you to pray this week specifically for our 13 elementary school kids that are going to kids camp this week. Um, it is going to be awesome. We can't wait to see what God does in their life and um, just have a great time together. On a side note, much less important, but pray for me and Jolie who are going with them. Um, I can't remember the last time I was at kids camp, and so I'm a little nervous, but hey, we're going to have a blast together. Also, thanks to the team that, that went on the float trip, we had a great group of adults and parents, chaperones, that went on the float trip this last weekend with the youth, and we had an absolute blast. Maybe someday we'll throw some highlights up on um, social media for you to check out, but uh, good times this summer. We're having fun. But there are huge gaps in all of us between who we are and who God wants us to be. And the question for you and for me as we get into this story today is that God wants to take you somewhere. Are you ready to go on the journey? And so if you've missed any of the, the talks in this series, catch up online or on the app. But today we're looking specifically at the character called Gideon. Gideon. Now after Deborah, our hero last week, there was peace in the land of Israel for, for 40 years. For 40 years. Isn't that amazing? 40 years. Well, turn the corner and all of a sudden the Israelites are right back in a predicament again. And the first thing that I want you to see in this story, in the story of Gideon, is that insecurity happens when we trust in insecure things. Insecurity happens when we trust in insecurity things, and so insecure things. And so in a few verses, we're going to see insecurity in our hero, Gideon. And I just want to say welcome to the club, right? 
we're all there. Something, this is something that everyone has. You know, everyone has insecurity, but few people talk about. And the few people that say, oh, I'm not insecure, I'm confident, I, you know, I never think about that, uh, we'll pray for you because you're lying, right? <laughs> but the question is, why are we insecure? That's the biggest question. Not just that we know how we're insecure and we know what we think about ourselves and we know how we're down on ourselves and we know that we, we don't think that we measure up, but why? That's the biggest question. Well, when we peel back the layers here in this story, we see it through the details of the plight of the Israelites, and it's just striking, these details. And so think of these first few verses as a window so that you can see behind the insecurity of Gideon. That you won't just see, you know, oh, he's insecure, and it's obvious by what it says. No, we're going to see why. And so Judges chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, let's dive in. It says that Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian and Amalek and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now, once again, you gotta put yourself in their shoes. Like, I don't know why on day one they weren't crying out for help, but finally, after seven years of starvation, of running, of sleeping in caves, and, and just having nothing to eat, they cry out for help. Why did they get themselves into this predicament in the first place? And that's the big question. And it comes down to this. And this is the source of many of our insecurities. They wanted what others had they wanted to worship their gods. They thought that somehow that God that they were worshiping must be better than their God. They ignored God's word, right? God's word is the best foundation that we could ever build our lives on. When we do God's word, when we listen to it and do what it says, life just works out better. But they didn't and they abandoned it and they accepted the word of man. This is where insecurity starts, church. And so what happened? Seven years, hiding out, everything stolen, thick as locusts, marauders, taking everything. They were stripped bare of everything that they had and they were reduced to starvation, complete devastation. And why do I read all those details? Because I want you and I to realize the weight of our choices when we decide who are we gonna build our foundation upon? Whose words, whose thoughts? When we think we want what others have, is that really what we want to build our life on? Listen, when we search for meaning in the things of this world, it leads to massive insecurity. That's where our insecurities come from. When we go after everything that, that, that really doesn't matter that much in life instead of seeking Jesus. 
Insecurity is actually way more less about you and way more about what you're trusting in. Let that sink in today because insecurity literally makes you think all about you. I can't this and I don't this and I don't look like this and I don't have that and and no one likes me and everyone hates me and I'll just go eat some worms, right? This is how we think and this is what we do. And we make it all about us. And I'm just so insecure. But that's not the starting place if you want to get better. The starting place is what am I trusting in? What am I trusting in? The word insecure, we usually use this word for for not being sure of ourselves, right? But the root word there is secure, right? And the Israelites were literally insecure in every definition of the word, not just feeling bad about themselves, right? But they had financial security. They, they had no financial security. They weren't able to provide for themselves. They had no shelter security. They weren't safe from the elements. They, they had no physical security. They weren't safe from bodily harm. And they had no food security. They couldn't put food in their belly. There's a couple definitions of the word Insecure, and one of them is the state of being open to danger or threat or the lack of protection. And so I, w- I want you to understand today that when you think about why am I so insecure, why do I worry about what people think so much, why, why am I trusting in all this stuff in the world and not trusting to God, it's because we are leaving ourselves open to danger and threat and the lack of protection. And that makes this a really, really big deal because you don't wanna leave yourself wide open for the world to come and take all the amazing gifts and all the amazing promises that God has for your life. Can I get an amen? We could look at this story and try to blame the Midianites, try to blame the Amalekites and all these different people, but when it comes down to it, it was because the Israelites stepped out from under God's protection that all of this stuff happened. And so when it comes to your insecurity and my insecurity, we have to understand that I can change things by my choice, choices. Students, you got a bully at school or you got some people in your life that just, that, that just speak horrible things into your life that have really affected you and given you a lot of insecurity. Don't trust their words. Just don't trust them. Don't step under the authority of their words. Instead, step under the authority of the words of Christ in your life. Church member, you have an abusive family member that either speaks or does you know, harmful things to you. First of all, protect yourself. You know, if you, if, man, if, if, if there's physical abuse, get out of that situation. Get out. It's okay. And then second, don't trust their words. Don't let that that thing that has happened to you have more authority in your life than what God says about you. Is this easy? No. It's super duper duper hard, but it's worth it. Man, if you're tempted to keep up with the Joneses, to have everything everybody has, and you're constantly comparing yourself to everything and everybody in the world, and you just have this inner drive and, and your insecurity is causing you to, at all costs, to go after everything that everybody has. Don't trust that pursuit. It's gonna lead you to a place of destruction. Because when we make these kind of choices to trust 
what harmful people do or to trust, you know, the other idols and gods of this world, man, eventually our life is gonna crumble and fall down just like the Israelites did because we're opening ourselves up to the attack and to the danger and the threat of our enemy, the devil. Colossians 2, 8 through 10 says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all, everybody say all, all the fullness of God in the human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and, and authority. Amen? Some of you that struggle with massive insecurity, all of us need to memorize that verse. I am complete, I am secure, and when I have God's thoughts in my heart and God's thoughts in my mind and when I do God's, or do this life God's way. All right? And so insecurity happens when we trust in insecure things. Number two, the first step to overcoming insecurity is listening to God's voice. The first step, I need to begin to listen to the voice of God. So the first thing that the Israelites, or that God did for the Israelites in verse number eight is God sent an unnamed prophet. I love that. He, he, the Bible doesn't name him. An unnamed prophet. And, and gave them a warning and, and asked them to go back to God. And, and what does that tell us? It tells us that God can speak to you through anyone. Does that mean you should listen to anyone or everyone? No. But you need to be open that God can use anyone to speak to you. And they don't need a, a title. You don't even need to know their name. You need to be open and, and ready for all the different ways that God wants to speak to you. Because he may speak to you during the worship song. He may speak to you during the message. He may speak to you through a conversation in the lobby after church. He may speak to you through a messenger on, when, you're, when you're talking with somebody online this week. He may speak to you in a million different ways. Are you ready? And so after this, the Bible says that the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon. And Gideon was so overcome by his insecurity that he literally could not hear the voice of God. Look at what it says in Judges 6, 12 through 13. It says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I think it'd be pretty cool for the angel of the Lord to show up in my life and give me that kind of encouragement. Some days it's like, oh, God, I just need a little pick-me-up. Can you just send one of your angels to stand before me looking all big and buff and proud and, and, and tell me, hey, I'm the mighty warrior? That would be pretty cool, right? Listen how Gideon responds. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, and you could just hear the sarcasm in his voice, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. You see, Gideon was falling for the same victim mindset that we so many times fall for. Because Gideon's like, well, I'm just this age. And it was those older people in our life that really got us into this trouble. And so he's saying, well, I didn't do it. And so, and it's God's fault. It's the Midianites' fault. It's everyone else's fault. And he's listening to the wrong voices. When here he has the angel of the Lord, the messenger of God standing right before him in all his glory and saying, the Lord is with you. You're a mighty warrior. Amen. So Gideon's response, 
Two things, a complaint and an excuse. Have you ever been there? And so the first step to stepping out of our insecurity is to stop complaining, to be quiet, to stop making excuses and listen to the voice of God. Because listen, anyone can come up with excuses. Anyone can complain about their life. Anyone can say that, man, my life didn't work out how it should. And, and you're, you're right. And, and you know what? It probably didn't. Because when somebody sins against you, that's never God's will. Things happen. We get hurt. We make mistakes. We go off the rails. But let this be so much encouragement to you that just because your life might be in shambles, God is standing before you today and he's saying, I'm with you. So the question is, whose voice are you going to listen to? Your path out of insecurity is going to be paved by God's voice, not yours. It doesn't matter. Now, I believe in, in some good self-talk. Like that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm strong, I'm good, people like me. Like, you know, remember, uh, what, about, what about Bob, right? Yeah, you gotta talk to yourself in a positive way. There, there's something to be said about that. But you know what really takes it up a notch when I speak God's words to myself to build myself up? Your path out of insecurity is gonna be paved by God's voice, not yours. Mark, 20, Mark 4, 24, Jesus tells us something incredibly important. He says, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive even more. You know, many times in the gospel, Jesus shared a principle like this having to do with finances. But in this instance, he, he comes and, he, and he's talking about our hearing. And he says that when you listen to the voice of God, and you don't just listen to it, but you listen closely and you let it get deep down in your heart, guess what? You're going to be given understanding and you're going to receive even more. The more you listen, the more God will speak. All day, every day. Love that. And so the first step to overcoming insecurity is listening to God's voice. Number three, the third thing we see in the life of Gideon is that we need to adjust our private and public lives to be built on Jesus. We need to go to God privately and we need to do something for God publicly. And so in the next section of the story, we see a lot of building and preparing and tearing down and, and there's a whole lot of construction going on here. So check this out. So, Gideon's not sure that he believes this guy and if he's really the angel of the Lord. And, and, and so he says, hey, wait here. I'm going to go prepare an offering. And so he goes and he prepares an offering and he comes back and he sets the offering before the angel of the Lord. And guess what the angel of the Lord does? He touches it and it's immediately burnt up, right? Completely consumed. And it was just him and the angel. That was amazing. And guess what Gideon's reaction was? He was terrified, he was terrified, and I probably would be too. That moment that you're like, this is for real. This is real. And maybe you've had that moment in your life where you realize that the love of Jesus for you is real. And so you come to him and you give him a chance, and maybe it's a prayer, or maybe it's I'm gonna go to church, or maybe it's, it's I'm gonna read my Bible a little bit, or jump on the, the YouVersion app, and, and you begin, and it's like, oh my goodness, the presence of God is real. And you, you have this private experience with God. 
And so what does he do? He was terrified, but he built an altar. So here we see he makes an offering, he builds an altar, and he, and he calls this altar the Lord is peace. And isn't it kind of ironic that at the same time that he's terrified, he's building an altar and calling it the Lord is peace? And I think that's just how God works sometimes, that you're just, you're kind of scared by the, the awe and the presence of God, and, and you have this healthy fear of him, and you're like, man, God, I don't even know if I deserve to be in your presence, but, but I know in my heart that when I'm in your presence, I'm experiencing a peace that passes all understanding. Has anybody ever been there? So he's having these private experiences, and this private experience gave Gideon, Gideon the confidence to do something more public. And so God tells Gideon, because Gideon is listening to God's voice, he, and he tells Gideon to go and tear down his dad's altar to a, a, a pagan god called Baal. And so not only that, Gideon goes up in the middle of the night. Now it's public, but it's in the middle of the night. And so we see there's a little hesitancy there. And so he goes and he, he cuts down the Asherah pole, which is... Uh, that. It symbolizes Asherah, the goddess of, of fertility, and, and she's the mother of Baal, and we'll talk a little bit more about her in a minute. So he cuts that pole down. He uses the wood from the pole to build a fire. He, he takes one of his dad's bulls, and he cuts up the bull, and he, and he, and he publicly has this, does this sacrifice to God where the altar to Baal used to be. Tear down the altar, cuts down the pole, cuts up the firewood, cuts up the bull, makes the new altar to God, burns the bull. A lot of work there. Must have taken them all night, I can only imagine. It was a public offering. Asherah, this pole that he cut down next to it, the goddess of fertility, the mother of Baal, her, her name literally means she who enriches and so he was doing a public act of cutting off his old life and say, I'm going to be enriched by God. I'm going to make God my Lord. He's the one that's going to provide for me and, and give me life and give me strength. Love that. What does this say to us? That we got to get the crud out of our life so that we can give, so that God can give us something better. So that God can be the one that enriches you. So that God can be the one that provides for you. We've got to adjust our private and our public life to be built on Jesus. This is what Gideon's doing. Guess what happens after this? After he makes this big altar, and number one, the people come out the next day, and they're all like, what in the world happened? Our altar's cut down. And you might expect Gideon's dad to be mad at Gideon, but his dad was actually convicted and stood up for Gideon and said, why in the world would you get onto him for worshiping the one true God. How cool is that? Gideon's confidence and Gideon's step of faith to build something for God was contagious in his family. So what happens after this? In Judges 6, 34, it says, then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. Love this. Listen, when you take steps to adjust your private and public life to be built on Jesus, God is going to fill you with the power that you need to serve him. And so after the Spirit of the Lord clothes Gideon with power, this is where the story, and maybe if you've heard the story uh, before, this is where the part comes about the fleeces. 
where Gideon still wants a sign from God that God is with him. Now think about it, and this is just how, I'm, I'm very linear, and, and, and I think, okay, the angel burned up the, the food, and he didn't get in trouble really for tearing down the altar of Baal, and so he's having all these wins in his life already, and yet he's still not completely confident that God's with him. And have you ever been there? It's like maybe you, you, you give your life to Christ, you get baptized, and God's doing some really cool things in your life, but you're like, eh. A little doubt starts to creep in. And I just love the patience of God in this story. Because Gideon tests God. He's like, oh, I'm, okay, I'm, one time I'm gonna throw the fleece out and God, I want the, 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 the grass to be filled with dew and all wet, but the fleece to be dry. And then the next morning he wants the fleece to be all wet, but the ground to be dry. And guess what? God answers both requests. Now, I am not saying that when you make these random requests to God that, that he's gonna answer you every time. This is descriptive of what happened in the life of Gideon, not necessarily prescriptive to what you know, we need to do to know that God's with us. But the fact remains, God was gracious, God was patient, God walked with him through it. This happened in the, 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 the New Testament too, that as people are learning, they're obedient, and they step out in faith, and they're building their life on, on Christ. And in Acts 8, 36, there was an Ethiopian, and, uh, his, uh, and, and he was riding in a, in a chariot along with Philip, and Philip was telling him the gospel. And as they rode along, it says, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So what I want you to get out of this is this that obedience doesn't have to wait for understanding. Gideon, he tore down the altar. He was taking steps to do what God told him to do. And yet there was still doubt in his life and he still had questions. The Ethiopian had literally just heard the gospel riding along with Philip. And what is his attitude? Hey, why can't I be baptized? He was being obedient even before his understanding was complete. When you take the faith step to adjust your private and public life to be built on Jesus, God will honor that every time. Gideon didn't understand everything yet, and the Ethiopian in Acts chapter 8 didn't either. And you don't have to either. And so don't let your lack of understanding give you an excuse for not building your private and public life on Jesus. Number four. The fourth thing we see in this story of Gideon is that daily victory comes through daily dependence. God doesn't just want you to have a victory one time. He wants to continue to, to work out his victory through your life. And so let's unpack the next part of the story. In Judges 7, 7, it says, the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. And so backstory, 20,000 or, uh, you know, guys show up to help Gideon fight against the Midianites. That's pretty cool. It's right. Man, God, look how many people showed up. And God's like, nope, there's too many. And so they whittle it down to 10,000. And then through just a series of tests, they whittle it down to 300 more. And if you want to read all the details, I encourage, it's just a few chapters. Read the story of Gideon this week. But 300 soldiers that God has whittled it down to 
And God is telling Gideon, you're going to defeat the Midianites with 300 men. Guess how many people they were trying to fight? 135,000. 300 against 135,000. And it gets better. Judges 7, 16. It says he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. So he didn't hand out the swords or the battle axes or the bows and arrows and all the, all the classic equipment that you maybe would think that they'd be using in those days. He gives them a ram's horn. What are they gonna do, blow it at people, right? A clay jar and a torch. And so equipped with these three things, God was gonna give them the victory. How many, how many of you know that just takes up the level of dependence, just about 10 notches, right? Or 100, or a million. God's gonna be the victor. Listen, never assume that God is asking you to do something that is completely within your skill set. Never assume that when you serve Jesus, it's just gonna be all like, oh yeah, I could do that. No big deal. No. He's going to give you hard assignments that take trust. Many times he's inviting you into a journey of trust that will be outside of your comfort zone. Gideon was obviously still worried. He's like, okay, God, 300 men, ram's horn, clay pot, torch, what? And so God knew that he was still worried that he needed a word for the day and God was so faithful that God told him to go down into the camp in the middle of the night and listen. Once again, he was gonna listen. And what happens? In verse 13, he goes down and, and hears that you know, some of the Midianite guys talking and one of the guys had a dream and he had a dream that a barley loaf, basically a certain kind of bread, rolled down the hill and completely destroyed a tent. And the other guy was like, yeah, what your dream means is that God is gonna you know, destroy us and that Gideon is gonna be victorious. And so Gideon, all incognito, and he's, he's like a spy and he's right there in the enemy's camp. He's listening to what the enemies are saying. And guess what? He was encouraged. He was encouraged. What does that tell us? First of all, the barley loaf, it symbolized the poor man's bread. It symbolized, you know, that's what poor people eat. And so this barley loaf rolling down, man, Gideon knew. He's like, man, I've been eating those barley loaves for years because I'm so poor because I can't feed myself and it's just all I have. And so it wasn't just that he was gonna be victorious. And you know, God was saying to Gideon that, hey, you just bring what you have and I'll, I'll take care of the rest. You don't have to be someone else. You don't have to get out of the ditch before I start using you. You don't have to fix everything and then come to Jesus. No, you just bring yourself. God is gonna use your little to do the miraculous. God doesn't need the things that look like success in this world. He just needs an available you, amen? And so Gideon obeys God, does exactly what God says to do, and God throws the army into confusion. They blow the horn, they break the pot, they, they take the torches and they, they, they scream out, you know, they, they scream out what God tells them to, to scream and they run down the hill towards the camp and guess what happens? The 135,000 Midianites, 
God throws them into a confusion. They're so scared that they begin fighting each other, killing each other, and running away. And so these 300 guys start chasing them down, taking them out. All of a sudden, they call for reinforcements, and, and the enemy's on the run, and, and they have the victory. It's amazing. It's amazing. But they had victory because they were dependent on God. Number five, our insecurity in Christ will be tested. It will be tested. You know, a lot of times we just stop right there in the story of Gideon and we're like, woohoo, God did it, right? And that's a lot of times what we're tempted to do. It's like, we want to live on the high. We want to live on the victory. We want to live in that place where everything is working out and everything is good and I'm comfortable and just everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. You know, that's why we love that, that movie so much and that song. If some of you have the kids, we'll get that. The rest of you are like, what is he talking about? Lego movie. It's, it's awesome. And so, anyway. But number five, our security in Christ will be tested. So we see in the life of Gideon that after the victory, after God shows up and does something amazing in his life, leadership still wasn't easy. In Judges 8.1, listen to what it says. Then the people of Ephraim asked Gideon, why have you treated us this way? Why didn't you send for us when you went out to fight the Midianites? And they argued heatedly with Gideon. Now, isn't this just like our lives, that when God is doing something amazing and we feel like, man, we're connected with God and God's working through us, and, and, and then some family just starts to throw stones. Have you ever been there? Right? They start doubting you and they start arguing with you and they're, they're, they're unhappy that you're happy. Have you ever been there? Hey, that's leadership, that's life, that's following Jesus, that's relationships, that's just what happens. And we're gonna wrap this up today as, as Aaron comes and we, we close together. But listen, they, they're arguing, it's like, it just blows my mind and, and it so resonates with real life that in our best moment, when we just need somebody to help us out and people are arguing with us. It didn't just happen one time. Check, check it out in Judges 8, 4 through 6. Gideon then crossed the Jordan River with his 300 men. And though exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. When they reached Succoth, Gideon asked the leaders of the town, please give my warriors some food. They are very tired. I'm chasing Zeba and Zalmunna, the kings of Midian. But the officials of Succoth replied, catch Zeba and Zalmunna first, and then we will feed your army. And you just, you think Gideon just has to be like, what gives? I'm, I'm serving God. God's already done amazing miracles. You know, I'm the victor. What in the world is going on with these people? Listen, following Jesus is not a popularity or people-pleasing contest. You will face opposition. In fact, expect it. Expect it. Not everyone will understand or be on board. You might be wanting to get baptized and go public with your faith, but you're really worried about what your mom might say or your dad or somebody that doesn't understand. And you're fighting that inner battle. You're fighting that inner battle when it comes to going public 
with your faith. Not everyone will understand or be on board. Look at what happened to Jesus in Luke 6, 66 through 67. That's a mouthful, isn't it? At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also gonna leave? Right? So even Jesus went through what Gideon went through and you're gonna go through it too. But it is so worth fighting your battle against insecurity, finding your worth in Christ, tuning into God's voice, daily depending on him, building your private life and your public life on Jesus, right? Seeking him and knowing that, hey, my leadership and my, my followership of Christ is gonna be tested. It's gonna be tested. And so you might think, well, Joe, why in the world would I do all of this? Why would I work so hard to follow Jesus and to depend on him? Why? Because Jesus died for you. Because he was the sacrifice so that you didn't have to. You didn't have to be. You didn't have to do it all on your own. And I think that that, that theme is just underlined through the story of Gideon, that it wasn't going to be through Gideon's power it was going to be through what he knew. It wasn't going to be through what he understood. It was going to be through just a dependence on God that God was going to give him the victory. And so when you're battling insecurity and you're not sure if God can use you, you're not sure if you're enough, you're not sure if you have the right look, you're not sure about everybody else in the world, and you're blaming everything and everything in the world for, for where you're at in life. Trust me, I've been there. It is so easy to complain. It's so easy to make excuses. It's so easy to just get in that, in that mode. But man, we just gotta pick ourselves up and remember that when we trust in God's word and when we listen to his voice and we trust in the person of Jesus who died on the cross for you and rose again on the third day, that God's gonna show up and be there with you every single time. And just like that song we sang this morning, He's in it with you. He wants to work through you. He's gonna fight for you. He's not against you. Some of you need to hear that word today. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. If you're here today and you say, Joe, I need to give my life to Jesus, it's, begin it's time for me to privately, in this moment, make the choice to follow him. To begin to build my life on Jesus. If that's you today and maybe God's been working on your heart for a while or, or maybe he's just hit you like a ton of bricks this morning and it's time to put your faith and your trust in Christ. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and say, Joe, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus today. Amen. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. If you're online with us today, right in your living room, wherever you're watching, you can do that too. You can raise your hand and say, God, that's me. And you say, why are you raising your hand? Because God sees you. And he sees your heart and he sees that choice that you're making. Amen. If you want to give your life to Christ today, the Bible is really clear. We just need to do a few things. We need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we need to believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we'll be saved. Isn't that cool? That we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart and it's not because of what you've done or or anything that you could do. It's because Jesus died for you and he rose again. And you put your faith in that 
trust him to save you so that you can spend eternity with him instead of eternity separated from him. And so right in your seat, right where you're at, you can pray a prayer of faith, confessing that he is Lord, believing that he died for you and rose again. And the Bible says that when you do that, you'll become a new creation in Christ. The old will be gone and the new will come. And you begin this journey and this process of beginning to look more like Jesus. And just like Gideon, might, God might take you through some ups and some downs and some tests and some, some opportunities that you'll have to trust God and what he says more than you trust the world. But it's the best journey you'll ever go on. Amen. And so if you want to start that journey today, we have a, a Bible for you in the lobby and a, a, a gift bag to just celebrate this decision, this decision that you've made to follow Christ. And so it would honor us so much if you stopped by the Welcome Center today and picked that up on the way out. For the rest of you, maybe you're already following Christ and you're doing your best, but hey, you just want to be honest today before God that you're really struggling with insecurity just like Gideon. And I want to be the first to encourage you and just say, join the club. I, I struggle with insecurity too. And, but in hearing the story today, you want, to, you, want to, you want to follow the steps. And you really want to just proclaim a new dependence on God and a commitment to fight your insecurity with God's word. And so if that's you today, I'm going to pray a closing prayer. And if you're just challenged by that today and you say, hey, I want to, I want to fight this fight, just raise your hand with me as, you, as we pray. God, here we are, and so many times we are insecure because we're building our life and our thoughts on what the world says, not on what your word says. And so we just acknowledge that today, and first of all, we say we're sorry. God, you've given us such amazing promises, and we want to build our lives on your word. And so help us to place our insecurity at your feet, knowing that you will provide our every need. God, that your thoughts for, about us are good. God, that you're with us, that you're in it, that you're fighting for us. We thank you, Jesus, that when you look at us, you call us mighty hero, mighty warrior, and you say that you're with us in Jesus' name. And so, God, let the confidence that comes through your Holy Spirit well up in our souls so that we can do what you called us to do. And along the way, God, we might have doubts and we might have second guesses and we might have questions, but you are always faithful and you'll be with us. Just help us, God, to never stop surrendering and to never stop putting you first and to, to yielding our lives to your Lordship. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you stand? Thank you so much for joining us for today's message. We look forward to having you back next week.